You're now tuning in to Deep Down Under, a podcast where I'll be sitting down with influential and inspiring people of our time from all walks of life. In this podcast, we'll be able to dig a little deeper into the minds of those who have stepped outside the box and shaped their own path, getting a greater understanding of their journey. There is always a backstory. In this episode, I sit down with Aaron Schultz, the creator of Outback Mind and Outback Mind Podcast a mental health service originally providing support in regional parts of Australia, but now Australia-wide. Aaron is also the author of a book called A Wink from a Guru, a book detailing his life journey through unhealthy living habits, burnout, stress, and more, and his transition into a more balanced and happy lifestyle. In this episode, we talk about Aaron's journey through life, his services, the situation of dissatisfaction in our country, experiences overseas, yin yoga, meditation, daily gratitude and its benefits, good daily practices for better mental health and more. Hope you enjoy. Today I would like to acknowledge the Iraqi people of Bunjalung country, the original custodians of the land in which this podcast was recorded, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Yeah, uh, no Aaron, how are you, man? Thanks a million for coming on today and spreading some of your knowledge and experiences in the mental health sector and whatever else you see fit. Um, I just want to know how's things going for you up there, where you are at the moment, mate, and, and what's been in store in recent times. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much, mate. Um, really interesting. Uh, I've had the last six weeks off. Actually, I finished doing a government role, and um, I've had uh, yeah, nearly. Well, I suppose nearly seven weeks off now, and it sort of it was a bit of a shock because uh, the government were paying me to do a role, and they pulled the funding. So uh, I was a bit pissed off about that, but. Um, at the same time, it was a bit of a gift because uh, it actually gave me a chance to, to settle down and actually like re, uh, I suppose, reframe things for myself with regards to my own well-being. I guess because I'd, I'd had a pretty big two years and I hadn't really sort of acknowledged it, so it's actually given me a, a chance to uh, to do a bit of a reset, which is uh, which has been really awesome. Yeah, epic, man. Awesome. So for those that don't know, tuning in, um, Aaron's the creator of Outback Mind, which is a mental health service for men in regional parts of Australia, as well as the creator of uh, the Outback Mind podcast, where Aaron sits down with men from all over Australia to discuss their journeys and solutions of mental health and health in general. Um, Aaron's had some of the biggest names in various Australian sports on his podcast, so everyone head over and check that out, And um, as well as being the author of uh, Wink from a Guru. Book, yeah, yep. that's right. I, yep. I wrote that. Um, oh, mate, I'm from country Victoria. I wrote that to sort of help male suicide in the area and yep. talked about my own journey and what I'd been through and, uh, you know, all the stuff that uh, we get thrown at us as, as, as young fellows at sticks and we find those habits sort of take over and uh, how we can uh, how we can get out of it. And that's what I sort of talked about. It sort of helped uh, a few people turn their lives around, which has been pretty awesome. Yeah, on the topic of that, can you shed some light on your life growing up, where that was, and give us a sort of greater understanding to what led you onto this sort of path and this sort of work? Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I was born in Horsham in country Victoria. Um, when I think back about it, it was a pretty good upbringing, but uh, I reckon I had a fair bit of trauma. You know, early I was uh, in hospital young. I had a brain tumour removed when I was three. Uh, in the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne. I was down there for three or four months. And uh, I think that that sort of isolation and, uh, and that might have uh, affected me as I got older, I guess. So, uh, or the feeling of isolation and, and so forth might have, might have been a part of uh, my own anxiety and that, uh, so to speak, moving forward. But um, yeah, so brought up there, mate, went to school in Horsham. Um, 
the more I contemplated and think about it, it was pretty awesome. But I think I, I, I was a pretty tough kid, but I reckon I got a little bit bullied by the older kids too coming through. And, um, and that sort of made me change the way that I saw life. Uh, pretty young, I had to defend myself and um, got into high school. I uh, went to a tech school and uh, that was pretty pretty challenging. Mate. It was like going to war every day, uh, you know, uh, lots, of, uh, lots of fights and shit going on. And my education... I believe I had a lot of uh, ability, uh, but I wasn't able to to foster that in that environment. So sort of, I, I went through school, you know, quite frustrated in many ways. Got in a fair bit of trouble. Uh, got into drinking. Yeah, or... uh, in, in in high school. So uh, at the tech, yeah, Just so neck and, got in neck and shots, in, neck and shots in primary school. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, we weren't doing that. We were smoking a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, not not dope, but just cigarettes. And yep. uh, we got into drinking about 14, you know. We started to drink and, and that, and that sort of led on to parties and all those sorts of things pretty regularly. And it wasn't a problem, but um, uh, as I got older, it became a problem because I guess what happened was I went into the workforce doing something that I didn't love. Mm, what was that? And. Uh, I started to work in retail and I started to work in um, mental health and disability and that back then. But I was really, I, was, I suppose, not mature enough to do that sort of work. I was working in institutions that were fairly hardcore with some fairly challenging behaviours and um, uh, I wasn't probably ready for it, you know. So I did a bit, a bit down in Pentridge Prison in Melbourne um, and sort of was really uh, interested in uh, why people were behaving um, I suppose, uh, you know, out of alignment and what that led to. So I saw lots of guys in prison that were getting incarcerated for lots of trauma that really ends. Um, that's been a bit of a passion ever since to try and help guys, um, you know, rediscover and reinvent themselves. So, um, so yeah, so did that, mate. Uh, lost my license for 0.05 when I was like 21, um, high reading. I I just sort of lost my way, um, didn't give a fuck pretty much, you know, uh, but I knew something underneath uh, all this hadn't been sort of discovered by myself. So so did that, lost my licence for four years, um, uh, met my wife, we, we got married um, uh, in Shepparton, where, where she was from, and uh, she she didn't really, she wasn't too concerned about my, my bad behaviour mm. and all that, so she, she saw me for the person I was, which was pretty cool. How so, old were you, sorry? So I was twenty. I was twenty-one when that first one happened, so you've and lost your I license did it again when I was, Yeah, no, I lost my license uh, when I was twenty-one. Uh, four years, met my wife when I was twenty-five. Yep. But before I met my wife, uh, actually no, twenty-six. I think I was. Before I went, my, met my wife, had my license back for like maybe a year, and then I did it again. So I, oh, I blew yeah. like point two one the second time, you know, and uh, hadn't really learnt my lesson, but. At the same time, no one had ever asked me why you're behaving like this. You yep. know, if if someone had have actually come to me and said, "What are you doing?" Uh, yeah, how are you doing? You know, why, why, why what's wrong? Um, then they might have uh, they might have got some explanation. But uh, I guess I, I was a bit afraid to talk. But no one ever asked me about it. You know, as well. So I was a bit um, a bit in that rebellion streak, I suppose in many ways too but uh you know that was a really challenging time for me and i can see why so many young guys um you know do do suicide because they're they're a bit unsure of themselves and so forth um you totally. know in that in that upbringing yeah and, and it's, and it's also having no purpose as well it's like yeah, yeah. like just just as you, like you've explained there you're going around a small country town like shepparton 
or wherever it was you were and you're working a job that you really don't like and then you're getting stuck into the bruise and it's like this revolving circle of like what what even what the fuck am I actually even doing here? Having like shallow yeah, surface fun. level friendships and, and um yeah, so what happened from there? That that's that's spot on. Yeah. And um yeah, mate, um yeah, basically um I lost my train of thought there for a tick, but uh yeah, at that at that period of time, um I yeah lost my license again for uh, might have been three or four years. So I never really had a proper license until I was like 20, 28 or twenty nine. You know, um, but uh, through that through that stage, I matured quite a bit. And what I know now is, you know, a man's mind is still developing until we're twenty five. Mm. So you know, we're we're putting a lot of shit into our bodies in that period, and our brains are still still growing. You know, so. It's a really important time to actually look after ourselves, but society sort of forces us to uh, work against our health and well-being. Uh, and we, you know, and a lot of us don't make it through that period. It's a really, really challenging period, but it's also a period for growth that um, that we we need to be able to be able to be kind to ourselves, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, so I always had this burning ambition underneath me to be better. You know, I knew I could be better, but I never had the the pathway or any guidance on how to do that. Mm. Um, someone to be able to sort of take me under their wing and um, uh, you know show me the way, I suppose. So, so yeah, from, from there, mate, um, I worked in, in in sort of youth and disability and um, and mental health sort of work for quite a while too. But then I. Um, I got into to running teams of guys, so I started uh, to work in labour hire and I had um, the responsibility to look after large teams, you know, 100 people, a couple of hundred people and so yeah. forth. And, and mate, that was, that was hard work, but my drinking and so forth still was there to, to numb out that, you know. Oh, really? so, right. So, yeah, so work hard and then go home and have half a dozen cans every night just yep. to settle your nervous system, you know. Um, so yeah, so that was that was hard, Yaka. Um, yeah, I did that for quite a while, but um, it's 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 interesting, you know. With guys, we just get influenced really easily. When you've got a problem with drinking, you're getting you're getting sucked in all the time because there's always advertising. There's always mates wanting you to go to the pub. There's always these influences. Totally. It's not until you yeah you get some routine routine and some structure to be able to help you through that. Yeah, definitely. And um, so when you were saying you were running those teams of people, was that through sports? How did you, like, get into that? Yeah, so so labour hire is, um, like, like, say, an organisation um, would need some extra staff. So we'd hire the people and then we'd hire the people out to them. So a lot of the clients that I were working, yeah. um, supplying to back then were working around the clock. Mm. So they had staff. They had staff, you know, starting shifts at six in the morning, start starting at two in the afternoon, starting at ten at night. Mm. So my my phone was on all the time, you know, mm. and people were calling me to say they couldn't come in, so I had to get a replacement and all this sort of stuff. So <clears throat> the whole the whole cycle just gets thrown out of whack. Mm. And to be able to give yourself some normality, you might have a couple of beers to set yourself down, you know, but. Um, uh, well, that's what you think. Yeah, that's what you think. You need to settle yourself down at the time when you don't know any other resources. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. That that that's what we'll lead into. You know, my my real passion is now to help guys manage their nervous system. But I guess um, what it is back then, mate. Uh, what it was back then was um, you know a lack of care from the employer. They didn't really care about you know the staff that were doing the work. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I went from that into another role, which was more senior on a lot of money. And I just thought that um, 
uh, finding extra money and getting a better car and all that was, was going to give me happiness. So yeah. I climbed that ladder really highly. I went, I went really, really far with, with working in recruitment and labour hire. Do you remember that that was in your mind? Like that was actually your mind state at that time? Was like, if I do get there, everything will be better? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What that is, mate, is that's ego. Mm. But underneath, if you can listen to your heart and listen to your gut, that's really telling you the truth. Mm. So we don't really understand, you know, as guys, how to to listen to that and how to appreciate that. And that's what I'm doing more now. I'm trying to, you know, help educate guys to be more connected to their hearts so they can actually do what they really love and, and what they follow, um, you know, will, will be their purpose. So so what we're, what we're taught, you know, as young guys is to pursue greatness through through materialism and through things and uh, accumulation and consumerism and all that sort of stuff that society wants us to do. Mm. And um, that that really can disconnect us in many ways, you know. Uh, we're always chasing something. We're always chasing, you know, the, the, the better girlfriend or we're always chasing the, um, the, the, the better house or the better car or the better TV or whatever it might be that's, mm. that's, that's, that's you know, that's your thing, but at the end of the day, mate, these things are only going to give you temporary happiness. You know, they're not things that are sustainable. So, so I identified back in those days that there was a big gap um, with regards to well-being uh, for people at work. So people were getting looked after by their employers. I was just sort of getting brought in, chewed up, and spat out really quickly. Is that so, before, so did you have? You must have had some sort of awakening though after at this tipping point, like when you worked your way up the labour hire. Was there eventually sort of a cracking point when you were like? fuck this i can't do this anymore or how did you find yeah you know how did you get over that yeah yeah yeah. interesting oh mate it was it was a roller coaster consistently with regards to that to be able to um so i wouldn't say break away from it but uh that that attachment of that that high money and everything is is a real trap you know you get attached to it and you know a few hundred grand or whatever it might be um and uh, you think, yeah, you know, you've got to have this, uh, this, this income coming through. So really the, the breakaways for me mate, was actually going to India and going to places overseas to see, uh, you know, communities and people that didn't have much at all, very little, but they had smiles on their face. Mm. And all these people that I thought were successful and famous out here never had a smile on their face at all. Totally, you know? yeah. Well, not not so much famous, but like people that I aspired to um, to, to to see as, as people I'd like to be like, and um, it actually gave me the connection that I had when I was a little kid to to feel more from my heart again, you know, about the higher levels of consciousness, being kindness, gratitude, you know, mm. uh, those sorts of things, and uh, and as we 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 go through the system, we get disconnected from that, you know, we really do, and. Uh, Society really, um, really pushes us down this uh, rabbit hole. But uh, of me, it all becomes very... about me. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we, we we start to you know become programmed to to follow a pathway, which may be uh, working away from our alignment. So you know that was a bit of a light bulb for me. I remember flying back home from India and thinking. This is not this is not me, you know. I've spent so many years of my life uh, working away from from who I really am, you know. So it's time to change that, and that's when I did start to uh, to do some things that actually gave me the uh, the foundation to change. It's taken me to where I am now, I suppose. Yeah, totally. Could you give us a little, a couple of examples, insights of the experiences you had in on what countries they were in when you went? Yeah, over? mate, uh, certainly a lot. Um, 
the first time I went overseas, I was like 40, 42, you know. I'd never been on a plane really anywhere in my life or anything like that. I sort of got into this lifestyle and my wife and I were just all about money and, and travelling was not one of those things. So I started to, at 37, um, I nearly I nearly got to a stage where I was suicidal because I was so stressed with work. Yep. Um, and... From that, uh, I I joined well, the first 24-hour gym in Australia opened in Hobart. So I got home one night. Um, actually, I went to the doctor and I said, look, I'm stressed. You know, it took me a lot of courage to go to a doctor mm. to, to tell him how I was feeling. It was just a GP. said, you can do thing, two things. You can, I can give you medication or you can exercise. So I got home that night. We lived in a, like a rural town, like rural, rural areas. We never got junk mail, but in my mailbox was a flyer for the first 24-hour gym that was going to open in Australia. Wow. So I thought, I thought like, you know, I could get in there at 4 a.m. so no one could see me because my biggest fear was like people judging me yeah, and that, wow. you know, but from having no fitness. And, um, uh, you know, that that was my upbringing in a country town of, of, of lots of judgment and comparison and criticism and all that mm. sort of stuff, you know. So you feel you feel so um, uh, threatened to change your life because of what people might think of you, and so I um, I took that uh, by the balls. I, I I was the first member to join there. Um, basically, as soon as it opened, I was getting there early in the morning, mate. I set myself out a program and a plan on how much I could lift, on how many reps I could do, on on all this sort of stuff. I wasn't really doing cardio; it was mainly strength. Mm. And I went from, from, you know, being able to bench press maybe 30 kilos to be able to bench press, you know, over 100 kilos and mm. be able to squat nearly a couple of hundred kilos and to be able to deadlift, sorry, deadlift uh, nearly a couple of hundred kilos and squat, you know, twice my body weight and, and all, these, um, all these unbelievable things. But, mate, it was one, one session, one day at a time. I never got, you know, too far ahead of myself. Life, life, life taught me that I was anxious. Mm. I always wanted to get too far too quick, you know. So mm. this was a real time for reprogramming. So I, I set that up. Within six months, my whole body changed. Um, my mental clarity uh, came back. Um, so I did that. Over, over a two-year period, I got myself extremely fit. Um, started to do some pretty uh, unbelievable athletic pursuits. Um, got invited to do some some pretty radical competitions. CrossFit was just getting going back then, and I so I looked at CrossFit and I actually like saw what these guys were doing in America, and I thought it was easy compared mm. to the work capacity that I, I developed. You know, I, I developed a pretty pretty high work capacity. Um, so, mate. There's a lot of the little boy that uh, that never got the chance to do that sort of stuff coming out here. Definitely. You know, I was in my 40s and and uh, I just went from being nothing into something like really, really unique as far as my fitness was concerned. Um, and I got asked to do some work with the Tassie cricket team, started to train professional athletes and wow. started to do things at a high level. Yeah. And then I, I realised I was doing some work with Tim Payne, who's now the cricket uh, Australian cricket captain. And um, I learned from him just how, how settled his mind was, you know. Mm. But everything I asked him to do fitness-wise, he did it. And he was really, really focused with what he did. And he was only like a young fellow then. I could just see something in him that I really wanted in myself that I knew was there. just need to bring it out. Mm. So, so, yeah, actually, I, I started running more. Running um, became a bit of a passion. I was doing like, you know, over 100K a week most weeks. And Far just uh, getting... 
getting out early, setting my mind. I realized when I ran long distances, my breath got into a flow. Once mm. my breath got into a flow, my mind settled down. I just get home and I'd sit in meditation. Mm. I'd just sit there mm. and just feel all this, all this stuff, you know, all those things that I was afraid to experience and feel um, because I was, you know, um, just, you know, what guys are like. We, we sort of bottle things up. We don't want to go to, to you know, our emotional side the way we actually are. Totally. And yeah, yeah. So, so that trip to India um, sort of made me realise that it's okay to do that. You know, I saw these people that were were free. You know, they were, they were free. They weren't they weren't caught up in the mind and all the traps that go along with that. And um, yeah, so so that was the catalyst to me, you know, learning meditation. So when I got back, I started doing yoga, but then I also started to connect with the Buddhist Centre in Hobart. So mm. they. They taught me meditation, mate, and that hardcore meditation, you know, like sitting in a freezing room, um, having just to, to challenge yourself, um, watching all your emotions sort of come up and then and then be okay to, 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 to move through that. But I guess I was lucky because I already had the self-discipline that I'd learned through fitness mm. to know that those, those feelings would pass. So that discomfort will, will actually pass. And once you move through discomfort, that's where the growth happens. Mm. Yeah, so so that was uh, that was a beautiful um, beautiful experience, and I've still got lots of um, well, not lots but like colleagues that are in that sort of system of, of, of you know practicing Buddhism consistently, but also in some monks and so forth that I, I sort of learned from uh, back then. And you know, from there, that sort of took me into uh, into more into yoga as well. But also, I started running men's circles, so I started to sort of, sort of start to teach men, you know, what I've been through, and, mm. and sort of help lift them up through my own experiences. And um, yeah, so so I did that. Um, that took me into. I was actually working as a health advisor for the Tassie government. So my my passion for workplace well-being. When I got out of labour hire, I was in a company. I had a share in that company. I, I sold that. I said I had enough. So they. Um, they offered me a role to go in there and look after well-being because I knew that I was passionate about this sort of stuff. It was great, but at the same time, the bureaucracy was killing me, and I, mm. I couldn't do really what I wanted to do. I had to do these little, little, uh, little projects, were not which were not going to make much change. Um, I see the workplace as being such a profound place to be able to help people's uh, life physically and mentally, and you know they weren't embracing that. Um, so. So, yeah, I worked there for a few years and you know, I went to a yoga class one lunchtime. I was doing, you know, 20-odd classes a week myself uh, at the time and something strong came to me and said, you know, quit your job, go become a yoga teacher and move back to Horsham. So, so yep. that's what I did. I, um, I, I, I went back that afternoon, I quit, went, uh, signed up for yoga teacher training, went and did that, uh, went back to Tassie. Um, long story with all that one, but, uh, yeah, my, my dad... Um, my dad's in Horsham, uh, and um, he's he wasn't well. He still isn't. So I went back there uh, to sort of be around him, and then I started to to, to help the uh, the community with yoga, um, basically, just which was really difficult for a lot of those people back there because they'd never been taught to you know be still, and mm. because it's such a sporting um, environment, uh, everyone sort of thinks that happiness comes through fitness. Mm. So, yeah, so slowing down was, it was a difficult thing. But, mate, you know, there was a few people coming and there'll be more come. And then the wives would tell their husbands about it. Uh, they'd come. They were starting to feel better. They were playing footy better. Um, and then the whole footy club would come and the footy club would win the premiership. Mm. And, uh, 
all of a sudden people were sort of start saying to see the benefit in this. The results but were clear. Little, yeah, but little did they know, like through that whole practice, I was taking them through a meditation that, that settled their mind down. And once they could see that their mind become settled, then they could see things a lot clearer. They'd make better decisions. They'd be more focused. They'd, um, they'd perform better, all these sorts of things, you know. And these guys that were, you know, big, muscly uh, men with big egos, before they play, they were just talking calmly. You know, they weren't having to like you know smack bags and, and fire mm. themselves up because mm. you're using a lot of that energy. You know, if you learn to be settled and calm when you go into combat, um, it makes a huge difference. Mm, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's so that, awesome, man. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's where that took me. <laughs> we touched we touched on it briefly before, but I sort of just want your opinion for people sitting at home, you know, like we're in a country that may be in this position. We're in a country that seems to have it all, has abundance. We have access to all the essentials as well as, you know, a lot of times money, cars, shoes, clothes. Obviously there is poverty, but there's also a lot of abundance in some cases and we have more than what we could ever dream of and then add some more on that. And there seems to be still a widespread sense of dissatisfaction and a, a lack of life energy and it seems like people are just going through the motions what um what do you think that is and do you have a few small steps that you think that could that could potentially change that that's a trap mate mm. but that's all it is you know that, that that all that stuff that you think is uh is what it's all about is just a trap you can become attached to that and what what attachment does is it causes you suffering mm. so you know we, we might think of all these things outside ourselves will bring us happiness but all the happiness comes from back inside and when you can get to the higher levels of consciousness, as I sort of mentioned before, kindness, compassion, gratitude, love, joy, all these sorts of things, mm. that gets back to your heart. So it's more about connecting with the heart center. Yep. Once you do that, then you start to live from there and you mm. start to become more connected with, with what actually really matters, you know. So all the breadcrumbs that society lays out for us is exactly what you described there. You know, we mm. think we've got all these things in abundance and we think that's it. A human being is meant to be natured. We're being denatured consistently, you know, right. through comfort. Mm. And comfort's, comfort's killing us. Too much choice is killing us, you know. Mm. Um, keeping it simple. Pardon? Consumerism, absolutely. Mm. So keeping it simple really is what it's all about, you know. Once you, you strip away all these things that are keeping you trapped, it's amazing what actually happens to your nervous system. Mm. You know, to be able to sort of come back to, to that, that feeling of peacefulness uh, often not only helps you sleep, it helps you be more self-aware, it helps you be better connected with others, it helps you to be more um, socially conscious. So one thing that I learned years ago, dudes, was I went into to prison to, to teach yoga mm. and I was te teaching life-to-life -life criminals with you know, guys that were hardcore. What I learned over, uh, over a couple of hours, once you got rid of all the shit, you saw the human, you saw the pure human. You didn't see a murderer or a rapist or whatever they might have been. You just saw a pure human. And they'd cry, they'd come and hug you, they'd say thank you, all this sort of stuff. Mm. That sort of stuff is what it's like to be a human, mate. Yeah, you know, you, you lose all the attachment to who you are, your identity, um, all those sorts of things. You start to come from a, uh, a place of peacefulness, then all of a sudden you'll find that uh, life totally changes for you and that's available to all of us. Yeah, awesome. And one of those ways is something that you're super passionate about, which is yin yoga. So what exactly is yin yoga? How does that differ from other types of yoga and what has it done and what do you think it could bring into other people's lives? Yeah, mate, it was so hard for me when I first started it because I was like really tight because of, I, was, I was fit. 
mm. you know, and uh, and having to be still was really hard because my mind was racing a lot, you know, as it does with most guys and most people, you know, we're thinking consistently. Our minds are, are geared to be on, you know, mm. and that's what the, all the stimulation that you suggested, all these, you know, all these things that we think make us happy actually do. So with Yin, it's about like holding your body in, in a posture for a period of time, um, breathing through that and just letting the body open up. So, you know, we're using our muscles a lot. Um, this is actually opening up the body, stretching the fascia, letting the muscles have a rest. When that happens, our nervous system starts to settle down. Our brain starts to work slower. And then all of a sudden we come back to being connected to our heart again. You know, we're not, we're not connected to all the busyness that goes on in the mind. And chasing stuff and wanting to buy stuff and you know what about this what about that everything starts 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 to settle when your breath gets into a nice flow then your mind will start to settle and your body will follow that mm. and uh, and yin yin was the gateway for me to really embrace um, slowing down you know and to be able to my my body has never worked better since I've started doing this sort of stuff you know no injuries none of that I still keep fit you know I still move my body quickly every day just to to get the heart rate up but. Also, in that, it's so important to balance that out. You've got to be able to balance the yin and the yang. As you see, these symbols around here, there's a meaning behind that, you know. Definitely. It's not just there for show. Yeah, yeah. So that's why yin was, was so important to me. And and since then, I've gone and done some incredible teacher trainings uh, with some great teachers from all around the world to teach me you know, the fundamentals of that so I can pass it on to others' lives, I guess, yeah. yeah. No, I've done your yin class and it's definitely yeah, definitely one of the best I've been to for sure. Like I, I got... I got so much out of it. Where did you actually learn that the specific? Oh, uh, mate, yeah, I've done some work in Indonesia. Mm. So teachers in Indonesia, um, lady from England uh, has, has taught me as well. So I've also had three teachers here in Australia um, that were very profound. Mm. So yeah, so um, so that um, work, you know, Hatha Yoga, Kundalini Yoga, um, as well. So I'm a Kundalini Yoga teacher, Hatha Yoga teacher, and. Certainly had I, I sought out the best the best mentors that I could possibly find to help with that, you know. Yeah, epic. If you had yeah. a few words for a few men listening that haven't tapped into any of this but may want to, you know, but the as you mentioned earlier, that mind of of being afraid of what others are thinking, like you were going to the gym at four AM to um avoid people mm. seeing you. What is just some words that you could that you could say to them to try and um entice them into just taking that leap into the unknown and into that insecurity and vulnerability? Yeah, you've, you've got to learn to, to surrender, but really sit sit still for a while and listen to what your heart's telling you, you know, what is it that you really you really want to do as an individual uh, and, and follow that. So with regards to slowing down, that, that that's where you'll hear these lessons come to you, you know, mm. to be able to you know, jump online, you can do some yin yoga online, that'll sort of force you to slow down, you know, over half an hour or an hour, that'll actually force you to settle and um once you learn to do that, then the real truth will start to come through. So we can go to the gym, we can lift weights, we can whack bags, all that sort of stuff. That's keeping our sympathetic nervous system running. Mm. Once we tap into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our calm, natural state, like you get when you go fishing and or whatever it might be, that gets you calm. And then the clarity comes. So this clarity can come to you every day if you choose to, um, to make space for that, you know. So it's really about... It's a bit hard if you're in lockdown, that I suppose, at the mm. moment. But um, 
you've got the ability to be able to sort of connect to um, you know something online that might be able to sort of give you some information to to move forward. Yeah. Um, and I'll be I'll be happy for you to connect with me if I can help to give you some guidance around that as well. But um, certainly, um, yeah, mate. You know as well as I do. Once you slow down, then all of a sudden, you know, things start to become a little bit different uh, for you. You know, Definitely. I've had some experience with with, with yoga, um, with, with with meditation, much more profound than any drink or any drug I've ever taken. You know, yeah, totally. And, and I can yeah. say as well another another point on that on that topic is nothing does not matter what anyone else thinks of you in this in this world you know what i mean like if it's something that you feel like you're being called to do and you're 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 not doing that because what what other people are thinking like that has got to be eradicated like personally i've always been known as having a high high energy personality like add adhd whatever you want to call it and since starting to practice yin and and other practices like that my Man, my central nervous system and levels of calmness have halved, you know what I mean? So for anyone with that, yeah. it doesn't, you don't even have to be like that, but yeah, it, the benefits of, of doing a practice like this can be huge. And, um, and I could recommend yours personally because I've done it and it's epic. So do you do yin online? Uh, I have been, mate, yeah. I have um, Aaron Schultz Yoga on Facebook and I just go on there and do a couple of free classes maybe twice a week. Yep. Um, I did have a, like a, a closed group that I was doing through the COVID thing where I was shutting it down, but I just do, um, do some classes here in Agnes, but I want to uh, maybe do more uh, online stuff in the future maybe. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to do what I can help. It's really – see, for a guy listening to this, you've just got to have the courage to, to make a phone call or, or reach out, you know. Uh, that, that's that's the trick, you know, for men. We'll, we'll procrastinate, we'll go back and forth, all that sort of stuff about, yeah, will I, want I, will I, want I. But the real growth happened for me when I had the guts to actually say, yeah, I'm going to do this and not worry about what other people think about me, mm. you know. A lot of those old mates that I had, they, they're not mates anymore, you know, mm. because I knew that I had to change. Mm. I knew I had to, 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 to move, move through um, those blockages which were holding me back and, you know, from then, a lot of those mates have maybe made those changes, but a lot are still stuck in, in that um, drinking or drug scene or whatever. I think that's going to supply the answers. But underneath all that, uh, there's lots of unhappiness, you know, and we're not, we're not put into this body just to, to, to get a job, pay taxes and die, you oh, know. Totally we're here to actually, man. like, Fuck thrive and, and, and live, a, live a proper life, you know. Mm. Um, and society tries to keep us um, DDC, dumb, docile and compliant. But if we can actually break free of that and start to, you know, find our own path and our own journey, and that comes through challenge because you can't get anywhere in life unless you challenge yourself and through that challenge becomes change, you know. Totally. And it's, yeah, and you'll start to see the results as well. Like it's often I'll rock up to a workplace or somewhere and people are like, oh, what's the, why are you in such a good mood? Do you know what I mean? What's with your energy today? And I'm like, and it's clearly from these practices. So yeah, I can, I can highly recommend them. Another thing we've obviously spoken about and you're super passionate about is meditation and breath work. Um, can you give us a couple of just simple examples people may be able to try at home and how they may benefit our lives? Definitely. Um, um, look, there's a, a practice called uh, quick coherence or heart coherence. So this, this, is, this is really one of the, the meccas for meditation for, for me and I believe this for everyone. So getting out of the mind, so basically putting your hand on, onto your heart centre and just feeling your heartbeat for a few minutes and then breathing in and out through your nose deeply 
And then, then coming into to challenging words for yourself, so it's like acceptance or appreciation or something like that. What what are you what are you what are you grateful for? Mm. What do you appreciate? Um, you know those sorts of things, and really tune into that because these are the messages that are actually coming from your heart. Mm. So your heart is sending messages to your brain consistently, but your brain's not sending them to your heart often at all. Mm-hmm. So to be able to tune into this sort of stuff will start to get you back to your truth. And it's it's difficult if you've got a problem with drugs or drinking or whatever because your mind's consistently at speed, right? Mm. Uh, but if you can do this every day for 20 minutes, <clears throat> it'll, it'll have a profound effect on, on your whole mental and physical well-being because you start to become more intuitive again. Mm. You know, you're not, you're not sort of too swept up in the mind and what's going on with that. And, um, yeah, primarily... Um, as guys or, you know, people in general, we're so much above the shoulders. Our life really isn't uh, that much above the shoulders. You know, it's more about what's going on in our centre and that, that'll that really give us that connection with ourselves again mm. and connection with others. So so a quick practice is to, is to do this breathing out, breathing out through through the heart, so breathing in through the nose, out through the nose, but imagine air coming in and out through your heart. And over, over a few minutes, your nervous system will start to really settle down. Mm. The vagus nerve in your body will start to kick in and then you, you, all these feel-good feelings will start to come back. The parasympathetic nervous system will start to be engaged. But the, the, the important thing is to, to keep reminding yourself that you're safe, mm. you know, because we're in this protective mode. What's going on? You know, who's coming? What's going to happen? You know, all the time. Mm. Let, you know, let yourself know that you're safe, that you, you're okay. And then, you know, once you do that, then your body sort of says, starts to say, yeah, everything's okay. We don't need to be on alert. We're sort of trained to be on alert all the time. Now, that's why we're buying shit and we're consuming all the time, you know, mm-hmm. to try and find that sense of balance. But when we, uh, when we start to come back to feeling safe, then we start to come back home again, you know. And once, once we start to do that, then all the clarity starts to come. So those higher levels of consciousness, kindness, comparison, uh, sorry, Kindness, um, compassion, uh, compassion mm. gratitude, you know, acceptance. Acceptance for ourselves is, is the hardest thing. Accept who you really are. Mm. You know, Accept that's, your flaws. That's such a hard thing. We're continually beating ourselves up, aren't we? Mm. Totally. You know, wish we had done this, wish we had done that. You know, what's what's he got that I haven't got? What's she got that I haven't got? That, that, that doesn't matter. That's all bullshit, you know, at the end of the day. Mm. Be able to sort of strip yourself away from that is so important. What's your thoughts on um, mental health in relation to social media and, and digital use and stuff like that? Yeah, mate, it can be a real attachment, and attachment causes suffering. You know, so I I, I leave my phone, I leave my my iPad or whatever it is at home, and I just go for walks or go for a run or whatever. I see all those people out, like you know, with the device mm. consistently. Mm. You know, that that's that's that's. You're doing something, but you're disconnected. The real mm. truth comes from when you get back into nature again. You know, that's what nature wants. Mm. So anyone's gone, that's what any, anyone's gone camping will know how calm they feel after a day or two camping. You know, well, that's available to us every day. Just get out and, and see what's going on out there. You know, mm. everything around us is meant to be is doing what they're meant to be doing. All these creatures, animals, but we're fucking denaturing ourselves by putting ourselves in front of a screen or putting our, our attention into a device. Mm. You know, it's taking us away from our real self and then all of a sudden we start to think um, more aggressively uh, about ourselves and then we start to find that we're looking for something to keep us happy but all the happiness actually comes from back within yourself. So you really need an hour 
two hours a day of self-care. Um, otherwise, you do get dominated with all the stuff and then disease starts to happen physically and mentally and then we have problems. Yeah, and it's hard because, yeah, even though you're doing the right thing, you're exercising. Like even personally, me, I use Strava when I run because it's calculating your time and it's like, oh, and then again, you're getting into this competitive thing with yourself. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it's, it's this bittersweet thing because you're doing the right thing, but they've still found a way to, to make you log it. Um, yeah, I might try going for a run with, without the technology, like you're saying, and see how it feels. 100%, mate. I was in a race years ago and I had a Garmin and um, I was in a team's event, like really high-profile athletes and, mm. and me, and, and uh, the Garmin smashed. And after that, I thought, fuck, who cares? You know, mm. like I started to actually enjoy what I was doing. You know, mm. the key word, enjoy. So you're not you're not fucking distracted by you know having to get a result totally and that 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 result comes from our upbringing through school and everything doesn't it? you know you gotta gotta get this grade you gotta buddy you know run faster than him to be the best and all that mm. that that's the illusion that that is the real illusion you know if you get if you lose that and start to come back to a sense of actually enjoyment then all of a sudden the results will take care of themselves, mate. You know, I, you, you just watch the Olympics and watch the Ethiopian runners, how they're running with a smile on their face. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about <laughs> the time. That's a great example. They, 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 haven't got, uh, they haven't got a watch on that they're looking at their time. They just know that they, they, they're going to get there and they, they're happy about doing it, you know. Um, being Everyone present. else is like, oh, fuck, you know, and they're taking all the supplements and all that shit. All these guys eat is a bit of rice and some maize and some, some oats and, and, and they got all, all they need, you know. Yeah, totally. We just get so so caught up with all the shit that we need uh, need to be having this and that and, and all that as well. And we're just uh, we're so far away from uh, the real the real enjoyment that it's not funny. Yeah, totally. I am. Um, you mentioned before. I know personally a good tool that I use is is daily gratitude. And we mentioned earlier the abundance we live in, and it's easy to forget. And people think, why would you bother doing that? But it's because it's important. Check yourself and check your situation. Gratitude acknowledgement can really bring you into the present moment and bring clarity to your situation. Um, and even though this practice can be particularly hard when you're not feeling too good, can you give some words on what practicing practicing gratitude actually is, and if and how that can benefit your life? Yeah, mate, it's hard because we're we're so we're so caught up in in being ungrateful, aren't we? We're so caught up in like you know um, feeling miserable all the time. So. Yeah, mate. You might you might um, you might walk out the door and someone appears and uh, you hadn't expected that, and they say something nice to you. And all you need to do is say thank you. Um, you know, thank you is gratitude in itself. So I, you know, I might go go to my cupboard and grab the first thing that I'm I'm, I'm actually looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see that and I, I say thank you. So it's a little simple things. So when you're saying these kind words, it's actually coming from your heart. It's not coming from your head. It's easy, uh, you know, for us guys to say, "Oh, fuck this, fuck that, that, that didn't happen. This didn't happen." Mm. When something good actually happens to you, actually acknowledge it. That mm. that's gratitude in its essence, and you're not forcing it. You know, yep. so a lot of people have a greater gratitude practice where they'll say three things before they go to bed, or they write something in a diary. That's fine, but there's all these opportunities for that to happen throughout the day. Mm. And when you're when you're doing this, a smile comes on your face. When, when something pops up that's uncomfortable to you, you don't actually get uh, too trapped with it. You actually start to become a little bit more grateful for the opportunity and then you can actually move through that opportunity a little bit more wisely rather than be reactive. So being proactive than reactive, we're so reactive in modern society, it really takes us away from our real self. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, talking about gratitude, there was, um, for anyone listening who's got time, I mean, we all have time, you can make time. 
there's um, a podcast that was done with Joe Rogan about a week ago with a girl called, I think it's Yonmi Park. She escaped from North Korea, right? Um, I think 10 years ago. And I'm telling you right now, I've never heard anything like this. Like, I would hi- I'd recommend for you to listen to it, Aaron. Like, I'm not going to spoil it on here, but... Yeah, to, to really check your situation, I'd recommend have a, having a listen to her circumstances and what she's gone through, and, and it might give people some broader broader perspective on what's actually going on out there, you know? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, look, geez, I, I've been able to speak to some unbelievable people through the podcast that I do and some of their stories, you know, and, mm. and Anthony Mokoito, he's a guy that was brought up in New Zealand, all the trauma and shit that he went through in his life, mate, and he's one of the best runners in Australia. But when he goes running, he just enjoys it, you know. And, yep. um, um, yeah, so he – like lots of people have gone through lots of shit. You know, we think what we're going through might be tough and challenging and all that. Yeah. And we get caught up in these bad habits. But those habits can change once your perspective starts to change. You start to be a bit more grateful for uh, for your life, for actually being in this body and, and all that life's, you know, given you to where you are now. Like, you know, I've got to like, really be grateful for everything – that, um, that's happened to me throughout my life, all the bad shit. Um, you, you might call it bad, but it is, uh, well, it wasn't me, you know, it wasn't my alignment. That took me to where I knew, uh, where I am now. And I knew when I was a young fella, when I was like 19, 20, something said to me back then, you got to go through all this stuff to, to find yourself, you know, so I just enjoyed the ride. Mm. And uh, yeah, that, that's what I did. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have the options to be able to go and learn things like we have now. Uh, back then, you know, we didn't have the access to all the, all the technology or all the uh, living in the country. We never had, you know, the facilities to be able to do these sorts totally. of things. And maybe yeah, meditation and yoga seemed really weird back then, so you wouldn't go anywhere near it. But they're sort of practices where you can find yourself and they'll reconnect you again rather than disconnect you like lots of the things in modern society are trying to get us to do. Yeah, and that's what's so awesome about what you're doing, man, with Outback Mind. Like that's, that's specifically for regional areas, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. Um, like um, it's about money to try and help guys in, in regional communities to become a bit more aware and conscious and mm. uh, and so forth. But also, you know, um, what what I'm going to do is to take guys away on retreats and so forth in the future and do you know, a couple of week sessions on, on just getting regrounded again and just having a, a support community around that. Mm. Uh, but also lots of guys from Melbourne and, and other capital cities are involved in it as well now. So... My vision is to try and set up more men's circles around Australia and, uh, and more, work more in that space. And if there's anyone listening that's keen to start up something in their own community, I'd be happy to have a chat with them about that. We've got a beautiful framework around it um, and a, a manual on, on to teach you how to facilitate these things. And um, it's really profound because once you've, you've been able to, to experience that and you've got the support of others, it makes a, a huge difference. And the difference that can come from you embracing something like that and making changes. Is pretty significant, and that's what we're meant to be doing here as humans, you know, helping one another rather than looking against one another. Mm, totally. And and just going back to just so people can have a an example of circumstances, what are a few things that had happened to that Brazilian fella's um, life in his early years? What was it? And, uh, yeah, uh, if you want to listen, I've done two podcasts with him, mm. but, uh, mate, he um, he saw lots of trauma. His dad was, a, you know, a pretty heavy alcoholic over there. Mm. Um, you know, kids, kids in Brazil are treated a lot differently than what we are here in Australia, you know, so had to go through a lot of that sort of stuff. You know, went through his own issues with drinking and, and all those sorts of things mm. and 
Uh, he was lucky enough to move out here and just realised how good it actually is. And every day since then, he's become grateful. But also what happened to him was he was in a surfing accident um, when he was only here for a few months, could hardly speak any English. Um, and he was paralysed for nine months in hospital. Far out. What did uh, he do? Yeah. So he he started a bit like what Joe Dispenza did, started to do work on his body. So mm. started to actually like feel below his shoulders or try and you know, bring awareness into his feet and his toes and those sorts of things. And over time, over hard work, they actually start to re re um, re reform again and start to, to, to he started to get his feeling back. So so it went from there to becoming you know one step in front of the other, all those sorts of things. Um, and once he got out and he started to rehabilitate himself, started to walk a little bit, he decided he wanted to run. And once he started to learn to run, he found freedom. And when he when he found freedom, then he he actually like really enjoyed what he was doing. And then that that run went from like a kilometer to a few kilometers, and now he's doing some unbelievable things, you know. But he's really enjoying what he does, you mm. know. He he really really loves what he does, and and that that that's available to all of us. So he went through all the bad shit to to get to to what he he really enjoys doing, and you know. If there's guys or, or girls listening to this and they're going through a tough time, know that this is all there for you to grow. You know, mm. you, you'll you'll grow through all this, so you can actually come through it and help other people that are going to go through the same things that you're going through. You know, that's the gift of humanity. If we can actually use our lived experience to be able to move through that and help others come through, um, you know, a little bit more wiser. If I had had someone like me or you come along when I was a young fellow, my life might have been totally different. You know, yeah, totally, man. Yeah, yeah. And on that yeah. topic. Could you could you just lay out a good simple sort of daily practice that you'd stand by that may have the potential to change how people are feeling? Just simple. Yeah, yeah, sure. definitely. So we with guys uh, in general, we wake up and our cortisol levels are quite high. So for me personally, it's about moving the body quickly. So they might be going out smacking a bag, or it might be doing some Hindu squats, or it might be going for a run, or whatever. See so to do it to do this for you know a few minutes or ten minutes or fifteen minutes or whatever you've got in your own work capacity, to be able to do that, you get to a stage where your mind says, "Oh fuck it," and you let go and you surrender. Once you get to that stage, then you start to to settle down. You know, so to be able to give yourself a movement practice, I, I think in the in the morning is really important. That might be yoga, some physical practice of yoga. Mm-hmm. And then find time for stillness. You know, find time to sit and do a meditation. If you need an app, find an app that works for you. So find a guided meditation that really helps you. So it gives you some framework and some structure to work on. And really give yourself a percentage of your day to to work on your own self-care. I think in the morning is a great time because our minds are most settled between 3 and 6 a.m. If you can get up that early and do something to be kind to yourself, Mm. the whole day flows flows from that. You're less... You're less distracted. You're more resilient. You're more connected to yourself. You know, you're not going to get into those poor lifestyle behaviors because you can actually be able to see them for what they are rather than sort of get sucked into them. So I really encourage people to be able to, uh, yeah, you know, find time for themselves. You know, a day is 24 hours in a day. You know, 10% of that is two hours and 40 minutes. If you can give yourself 1% of that or 2% of that, um, you know, that might be 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever, to actually work on your self-care mm. um, by doing these things which keep us physically and mentally well. And that that is an individual thing. It's what works best for you, you know. We're not all the same. 
in Eastern cultures, we talk about doshas. So doshas are three different body types, you know. Your body type's different than mine. You know, a lady's body type's different than mine. So what's working for one might not work for? It's about finding your own path and your own passion. Mm. And when you can do that, then you'll find that um, that you will find enjoyment with what you're doing. You know, if you can really get up and, and find a practice which helps your mind and body settle and feel balanced again, and everything starts to change, but not only you benefit, everything, everyone else benefits from uh, around that. Definitely. And it's also accepting how alien that may feel at the start, how much of an effort that may feel at the start, because it's something that's brand new and just continuing to show up every day and every day and every day and every day. And then that becoming a daily thing that manifests into something that's pretty epic. Absolutely. It takes six weeks to really form a habit, you know, get mm. to that stage and then move on from there, you know, and really track it. If you can write down what you're doing, then all of a sudden that becomes um, your Bible and your guide for, for what you're doing, you know, and you actually become a little bit more aware of, of, of what it's like for you and how, how much progress you've made. When you can start to see that change, it gives you a bit of satisfaction, you know. Um, but it's like like anything in life, you become too attached to to getting somewhere, mm. um, you you miss, you miss you miss the ride, you miss the journey. So you got to be able to sort of see what it's like for you every day, and be able to find um, gratitude and acceptance with that. I guess that's that's the real trick. Yeah, they always say it's not the destination, it's the journey. Um, yeah, yeah. So just briefly, and then we'll we'll do a. Who's calling? Me. Oh, I've actually yeah, I've got the doctor. That's all right, calling back. Um, <laughs> What's it? Uh, I was going to say, yeah. What's in the future for for you, man? And and what's in the future for Outback Mind? And uh, yeah, really interesting, mate. Um, I'm just starting up work with an organisation from Western Australia um, to help um, ex offenders out of jail enter into the workforce. Mm. So this is getting back to my labour hire days, which I got out of because I didn't enjoy. <clears throat> It's actually given me an opportunity to work what I do enjoy in, in with what I what, with what I know. So I'm going to work with correctional centres here to work with guys, <clears throat> pardon me, before they're released to, to help them become more mindful, to more be, become more self-aware. So when they get out, they don't get caught up in the old circles and start reoffending again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, teach them, teach them the practices that I know, uh, but also help them into the workforce and mentor them into the workforce as well. Yep. So doing that, uh, Outback Mind stuff, the podcast is going really well. To be able to develop more men's circles throughout Australia, uh, to be able to you know, utilise that as a platform to, um, to help other guys gain, gain higher levels of self-awareness. And so gain empowerment. Empowerment. Like, you yeah, know, it that's says right. that men have been empowered for, for, you know, according to history's terms, but it's empowered in all the wrong ways, you know what I mean? So mm, giving, that's right. giving Absolutely. them true empowerment again, yeah, it's epic. Yeah, ex- exactly, mate. So, so you know, to have other guys live experience, um, you know, help you on your way when you're going through stuff that they've been through is significant, you know. Sometimes that won't come from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a social worker or a counsellor. Mm. Someone that's walked the path, you know, that you're on is, is really valuable to be able to help you through, um, you know, those life experiences and situations that you're going through. So it's easy to go and get on the drugs and all that sort of stuff. But if you've got someone in your corner that's saying, mate, Maybe you don't need to do that. Maybe we can uh, we can help you, um, um, you know, find uh, find that sense of satisfaction in another way. So it's like like a habit. It'll take you six weeks to break that habit, you know, yeah. to try and move through it. So you've got to have someone 
help you through this this particular process so you can get there. You know, I think that's really important. That's been the real real missing link in society for ages. You know, we we, we punish people for trauma trauma that's not their fault. Mm. You know, the same thing happened to me, but it could have happened to me when I was a young fellow at a higher level. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> for me to be able to, <clears throat> to to work with people to you know, help them become more conscious um, because they've been largely unconscious through their life. Um, to be able to live a life where they can start to thrive, I think is really valuable and really important. So, so the the prisoner space is, is something that's uh, you know pretty um, important to me and passionate um, that I'm passionate about because these guys, as I said, they've been punished for intergenerational trauma. Dad's done it, grandfather's done it, mm. usually. It's someone in our family that's gone to war, you know, way back, and that, yep. that trauma's been passed along. Or, you know, it's, it's an Indigenous man, or oh, that trauma's been passed on all these generations from when all the shit happened years ago. Mm. One of their ancestors was stolen, all this sort of stuff. So, you know, mm. all, that, all that trauma's been embedded into this individual. They've fucked up. A lot of that trauma has um, got them into to, to trouble, mm. and they've been punished for that trauma. You know, it doesn't make sense. Why aren't we rehabilitating people to help them become better people in society rather than giving them punishment and then letting them out worse people than what they will know, right? Yeah, totally. Getting to, the, getting to the root of the problem right. rather than just putting them into the washing machine. <clears throat> Spot on. Spot on, mate. Yeah, Absolutely. When, so that, that's Aaron, something I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, when Aaron talks about consciousness, he, uh, like he's talking about, whether you're conscious of actions that you're doing, you know, or whether you're being unconscious about it. Like consciousness is all about being aware of everything that you're doing and that, you know, there's no actions that are being left astray. Yeah, mate. So so think about what I said about when I was drink driving and that when I was younger. Why was I doing that? You know, why? Um, because I saw my dad do it, mm. you know, and, uh, and I thought it was okay to do that. Uh, but... I was unconscious. I was conscious, but I was also unconscious because I was actually like going down that pathway. But being conscious is actually like realizing if this happens, where is it going to go? Is it a good a good pathway or is it not? You know, and then being able to arrest that. But the more of these practices that we actually do, where we're starting to be more kind to ourselves, then the decisions like that don't become as relevant. You know, yeah. We okay. start to uh, we start to be more more aware of, of what we're doing and. Getting back to what we were saying before about developing a self-awareness practice every day can give you that that sense of um, foundation, so you don't you know go down these pathways that uh, are going to maybe fuck you up in, in in some way, shape, or form. You know, totally, man. All right, man. Thanks uh, so much for coming on, Aaron, and keep up all the good work you're doing, man. And thanks for being of service in the world and spreading the word. Uh, see you soon, mate. I look forward to seeing you, and um, all the best. <laughs> Yeah, no worries, buddy. Thanks very much for having me on. Have a great day, man. Cheers.